0: yo 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 <laughs> yo <laughs> yo! weirdos See, it, are, you, it's not- are you making fun of me megan no you never Ugh. maybe this week
1: we're talking about life stages
0: all the things i make an awkward comment about k-i-s-s-i-n-g you know like that nursery rhyme of like first comes love then comes marriage we're like yeah and then comes death because we're going to talk about that, too.
1: But this is our summary episode where we talk about all three and get deep, get awkward and get silly as we talk about everything in life stages as it pertains to each of us individually. So, Megan, are you, are you ready to jump in with me? I'm ready to jump in. It's early. I got
0: my coffee. Let's do this.
1: Perfect. I'm just going to say yo one more time. So, yo, let's go.
0: Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Saira Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Saira and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. We're
1: doing a fun episode, team, because we had somebody bail on us. Is this karma? We don't know.
0: <laughs> From me. Probably. Am I unmuted? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, how did I mute myself? I'm like singing We Are Family. <laughs> you <laughs> muted yourself because
1: even you didn't want to hear yourself singing.
0: <laughs> or did you mute no. me? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Uh, well, here's the thing of it. I mean, it's all about life, right? And I guess that's what we're talking about today. Life stages.
1: Life stages. All three of the life stages, the major life stages, right? So actually, it kind of annoys me that we consider these to be the big three, because I actually also consider, by the way, like, okay, first of all, let's start from the beginning. The big three life stages that we focused on were getting married, having kids, and death. I would also think that getting your first real job, getting your first big promotion, like stuff
0: like that is also, don't you think? Yeah. But life isn't just about work. This goes back to us talking about this, right? The balance thing. So it all kind of weaves together. It's
1: partially balanced, but
0: also I want more people to
1: consider the stuff that I do. Like this is part of my job, right? this is equally as important to me as having a baby. This is my other baby.
0: Mm. Yeah, I get that. You're right. Yeah, you're totally right. I think on a macro level, though, like people think about it like the most stressful life stages. Maybe that's that's how we wrote it. (laughs) I was like, ooh, getting married, right? Buying a house, doing all that shit. And then Having a baby, that changes your whole life. You don't even know how. No one can give you a roadmap for that one. And then the big one, which you're not even there for, is death. <laughs> and how you finance all of it.
1: You don't know whether or not we're there or not. I promise I'm going to haunt you like a ghost when I pass away. So
0: what? Oh God, I hate that <laughs> <laughs> so much. You're going to be the kind of ghost that's going to be like, all my pens are broken, yeah, you know, yeah. like on my desk. You am going to jump out of your oh, closet and mother. be like,
1: booga booga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like, first of all, it's Boo.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, enough of the silliness. Should we dive into this first episode and, and get get moving on all of the things about life stages? Let's do it. All right. It's too early. It is too early. Oh, you're we're both a little slab happy. Okay, so Meg, first things first, which which of the episodes affected you the most?
0: I know which one you're going to say, so I'm going to say a different one. No, don't. Maybe. I really liked the death one. What did I call it? How to monetize your mortality, which we're still kicking around. But I liked that one because, honestly, death is something that I think about all the time. <laughs> Either in a positive way, or a negative way, and kind of, I feel like you're always preparing yourself for death in certain ways, like, you know, your parents are going to die, you know, you're going to die, it's like, what am I going to do today that's going to make a difference for me in my life? So when I'm gone, people will think about me positively, hopefully. So that one kind of added a little bit of structure around the very chaotic mindset I'm in when I think about death. So I liked it from that perspective.
1: I love hearing that actually, because I think it makes so much sense. It was honestly the first time for me as well, that somebody put some organization to end of life. I mean, I I shared a pretty intimate detail, right? I did fully, fully panic at the beginning of the pandemic, as I'm sure many people did, but not everyone's probably willing to admit. And one of the things I did do was finally put my end of life plan together and I would be willing to bet I wasn't the only one that had that panic attack. But yeah, it was the first time that I really had an open conversation about that for sure. And now it's much more comfortable for me to, to talk about, mostly because I actually have my act together as it pertains to when I die. Although now that I'm married and now that Nick and I will be owning property together in the very near future, I probably need to change that. But haven't gotten that
0: far yet it's a very tedious process <laughs> so yeah but I think Aaron helped outline that for us a little bit you know of like it's an ongoing venture until you kick it sort of a thing like big life stages you have to change and update your will you have to think about who you want in it you know if you're a billionaire you got to think about how spiteful you're gonna be <laughs> I've just started watching Succession. <laughs> <gasps> me too I, I think about it all the
1: time when I'm watching that show <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. That
1: is just oh my God. Yeah. But also I'm naming my first child Siobhan.
0: Siobhan.
1: Shiv is a goddess. Okay, so love that there was organization that came around death. And you probably are right as to which episode I love the most. Here's the thing. I think and so many people are gonna be mad at me for saying this out loud, but I think weddings are overhyped. I loved that I got to have a really cool dress because as you know, I love fashion. I might not always depict it on this podcast. I'm sorry to everyone that watches this on YouTube. I do actually really love clothes. Megan is one of the few people that understand that on a deep level because she's seen my wardrobe. But also like we're in the midst of a pandemic where I've been working from home for the last almost two years now. so I just, you know, stopped stopped putting forth that effort into my wardrobe. However, Yeah, I kind of feel like weddings are overhyped, mostly because I've already had the big ridiculous wedding and it didn't work out. So I feel like that was a waste of zillions of dollars. So yeah, I mean, the most important thing to me right now, primarily because it's very topical for my partner and I is having a baby. I also just found the information that Hallie provided to just be immense I mean, there are so many things she said that are not easily found on the internet. There are so many things that she said that affected me deeply. I mean, let's talk about male fertility and the fact that nobody talks about male fertility, right? It was very painful for me to recognize that I have fertility issues. It was way easier for him to be like, oh, I need to take some new vitamins. This isn't that big of a deal.
0: That was, for me, that was almost, it was almost embarrassing, right? You know what comes to mind for me? I'm totally going to butcher this. Henry VIII? No? English history? Well, what are no? we talking What are we talking about as it pertains to Henry VIII? Male fertility. He had, what, eight or nine wives, and he beheaded all of them because none of them could give him a son. And in reality, the fertility issues were his own. But it had always been the women. And he had to kill them off in order to think, oh, it's not about me. It's about the woman, always. What a horrible precedent. Because it's really 50-50. If your stuff doesn't work, my stuff doesn't work, vice versa. But it's been, I think, to your point, and like the very weird point I'm trying to make, is it's always been the woman's fault. But in reality, it's just not true. Like fertility issues. And it's nice that Holly like brought to light, yo, check your male partner too. It's not just you.
1: For sure. For sure. She also normalized a lot of stuff like, fertility lube. I didn't even know that was a thing. I actually I went and I checked. I don't know. Oh yeah. Did you know that most that. lubricants have spermicide inside of them? Like intentionally built for you not to be able to have just like so many little things that were nuanced about having a baby. And you know, I'm pretty open on my social media about my surrogacy process and the fact that Nick and I will use a surrogate. I recently learned from some of my friends that there are lots of people that use surrogates. It's just not very publicly talked about because it's taboo. But, you know, not being raised in that culture, I wouldn't know that. So, <laughs> oops. But,
0: yeah.
1: listen, if you want to have a kid and somebody's signing a contract to have a child with you, that is 100%, I think, contractually okay. I don't find anything taboo about asking someone to help me have a child.
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, any way you can, if that's what you want to do and you can afford it. Yeah. Why That's exactly how I feel about it. I would feel the same way with egg donors
1: and sperm donors and all of, I mean, you know this Meg, when I was up in Seattle, I had a sperm donor down in Oregon, which for whatever reason, they had better sperm down there. So
0: I think they have less clouds. (laughs) 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 I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, No, I know. I'm curious to know, like how some of our female listeners that aren't ready to have children yet, but it's always kind of in the back of your mind. And I wrote something personal on it just for my own well-being, like after we talked and recorded the episode, I was like, God, for me, it's just like this ever ticking time bomb, right? I'm like, when is my time going to be up? And when do I need to start worrying about this? Because I think like, you know, many women for so long, I was like praying I wasn't pregnant. And then now it's like the tables are starting to turn. A little bit when you find a life partner and you're just like, God, can I even have kids? And it's it's scary to even go through that talk track in your own head and then come to terms with whatever the results are. So that's that's what that brought up for me in particular. I actually I think that's a really fair point, Megan. And if there was one piece of advice
1: that I would give anyone that's listening that's in their 20s and is like, I don't need to worry about kids yet. Like, I'm not planning to do that until my 30s. The one thing that I would recommend to every single person that has ovaries, you need to go freeze your eggs. If you can get your company to sponsor doing that... By the way, I asked my company to sponsor me and to sponsor women at our company to do that. It is becoming more common. You absolutely should have them do that. It is a up to $20,000 procedure each time. So I highly recommend getting that request in if that's something that you feel comfortable doing. But also, I think that if you have the ability to do so before the age of 30, just get them frozen. doesn't matter if you're like, I'm never going to have kids. Things change. Time changes. Brains change. i promise that if you had asked me when I was 25, if I wanted to have kids, I probably would have laughed about it. I definitely changed my mind over time. So that is the one thing that I will tell everyone that is super young and super ambitious and, you know, just not really thinking about the kids stuff just yet because they're focused on other things. Freeze your eggs if you can have the option available to you.
0: I don't know if you know this. Do people typically get time off to do that or do they have to take their PTO to like freeze their eggs? Because that's a really invasive process.
1: So it is invasive, but I'll tell you the procedure in and of itself is like less than a half hour. And honestly, for me, it was more of the lethargia that is lethargia even a word. I, I was just extremely lethargic the final week because your ovaries go from the size of like little golf balls to the size of softballs, right? So they're essentially dilating your ovaries. So there was a point right before and right after my procedure that most recently, especially that I was so swollen that I could only wear my yoga pants. I don't actually recall it being... Maybe it gets worse the older you get. I don't recall it being that bad in prior sessions. But I think... It just depends on the doctor, which medications they end up using on you and like your body generally. Like, I think I was just retaining a ton of water, especially last year when I did it. But you do get tired. I don't, I will say that I did mine in between jobs. So I can't speak to being able to work during that time because I generally just like hung out at home each time I tried it. But I don't, yeah, I don't think it typically, gives you time off. I think you'd have to take PTO. But I also, you do have to be sensitive. I think on like a few of my final days, I won one of the cycles. I remember being on an airplane and being like, I'm a moron, but mostly because I didn't want to reach into the overhead bin and grab my luggage. But there are, I think generally it's not horrible for everyone. But again, I think that's a very personal experience. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I just, for me, it just makes so much sense. like. We talked about this on that episode as well about miscarriages and about time off, like bereavement. And I think that should be a foundational thing that any company does. Like that should just, you shouldn't even have to say it to any one of your coworkers, but I'm taking bereavement leave and this checks the box for it. So I remember the first time it happened to me, it was in 2012,
1: and I took the rest of the week off and everybody just kind of knew and I had to talk about it. Mm. Yeah. I agree. I think you have to. I think you have to have some kind of plan in place. I don't think... Just because the majority of CEOs are men, right? And not many of them contemplate this sort of stuff. This is a conversation I had with an incredibly intelligent founder. He was like, you know, I never thought to myself by offering fertility benefits that I could get more female applicants, but actually that's a great idea. And I think it's the same thing for other policies. Like We, as women, are often charged with having to be the ones that ask for those sorts of things because they're not things that generally affect men, right? That's not something that they can identify with because they've never been through it. But yeah, absolutely. I think bereavement is very important and something that needs to be incorporated at more companies. I just
0: don't think it's something that crosses a lot of minds. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of research lately on kind of the shifting tide that is happening in the employee company world. And a lot of people are, in my mind, it's kind of changing into like, what can this company do for me sort of a thing? And to your point, it's like, if you offer me more things that, you know, align with my personal brand, then I'm going to be, you know, a very loyal employee and I'm going to want to work for you. And that just keeps coming to mind for me. I'm like the bereavement leave, not having to explain yourself, work life balance, you know, honoring life stages, whatever those be. I'm like, Yeah, it's your whole life now. And maybe that's because we're all at home and we're like, Oh shit, this all kind of gets melded together really quickly. Maybe. Maybe that'll change. I, I don't know. Think you're spot on.
1: I think when we had to humanize ourselves and like have our dogs on our Zooms and like, you know, all these weird little things like for me, I still remember the first time I was presenting to a team and my dog started barking because somebody was delivering something to our door like that for me was a very like, oh, crap. (laughs) Here's me trying really hard to look professional, but my home life and my work life are now one in the same. And we're all wow. going to laugh awkwardly while my dogs literally speak over me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I totally agree. I think those priorities are becoming more and more prevalent because we are overlapping. Because I also, I don't know about you, Meg, but I also work way longer hours most days now because my computer is right here. And it's
0: like, why not? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that commute time has now turned into meeting time, has turned into podcast recording time, has turned into check my emails, make sure everything is up to speed. And we're just, you know, pressed to do that. We have to like fit all the shit into one day. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. (laughs) So, anyway, all of that to say, I think it's companies now that it's their turn to be like, Not what have you done for me lately, but like, here's what I can offer you, employee, in order to get people to stay, be happy, be like, yes, I work for this company. Yes, I'm excited about it. Yes, I still love my job. And I still love my life. So I digress. But all of this comes to mind for me. Just top of mind. Literally. Not even written. (laughs) Just rambling. No, I
1: I think all of it's super topical. That's why. So, okay. So throughout the season we asked everyone four questions yeah yeah are you ready to answer them Megan McShane yeah let's do it okay first I need to find them so hang on a second
0: (laughs) (laughs) well also before you go there I think we need to touch on kind of the wedding episode a little bit I think you did a little bit but I want to I want to bring back up a point that you just said yeah you were like you think weddings are overhyped yeah And I I toss around that idea all the time. I know we've talked about this, my hypothetical wedding, right? Like, do I want to go big, Chicago style, right? Or do I want it to be small and intimate and I flex on it every single day because I'm like, do I really want to spend this much money on that? Or do I want it to be small, intimate and I spend money on the things that I want? And I don't know the right answer.
1: So I really took to heart what Leslie said. I think... For Nick and I, we had a specific number in mind that we wanted to spend. And whether we did it with our friends and family or whether we did it as we did, which was together in Aspen, just the two of us. I think the big takeaway that I would want to impress on everyone that's listening is to have a budget in mind, have that saved up in advance of your wedding so that you're not paying it off like it's a debt over time and then pursue your wedding, acknowledging that you might not have every single little thing that you want. I would have loved to fly my family in and have them experience that with me because it was one of the few moments in my life where I was extremely emotionally vulnerable, but it was also extremely important to me to make everyone feel safe. And there was no way we were going to have Nick's family and my family present in a way that we were comfortable with them traveling. Like there was no way I was going to put my parents on an airplane. In addition to the fact that everybody in Vegas canceled on us. So, you know, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me from that episode. And looking back and reflecting on my wedding, it was perfect as it could be. I don't think any weddings ever absolutely perfect, no matter what anyone says, but If I did it again, I would do it the same way because we made so many wonderful memories, just the two of us, and we had such a wonderful time and we spent all of that money on each other. So
0: with the exception of my dress, which was the most extravagant thing we purchased outside of my... Well, yeah, it was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, do it again. No, but I think like you, I have friends that during the pandemic, like planned for a really big wedding and then made it very, very intimate and small for safety. And to be honest, those weddings that I attended were the most, like, I looked over and my partner was crying and he doesn't cry in anything. You know what I mean? It was very intimate. It was very close. It was like, oh, yeah, you're getting married. It's not about the party. I forgot. And so I thought that was just a nice moment. And, you know, I was like a voyeur looking at all your photos and reposting them (laughs) because I knew how emotional a moment that was for you and even capture it. Like in photos is like a little scary, I'm sure. And to put them out there, but. What a beautiful moment you experience. Like we can all see the photo, but we don't know that moment that you felt. And you can never get that back. But what a great way to like start off your marriage. You're like, this is forever. We're doing this. I love you. Yeah. It was very special. Hmm. It was oh very cold, God. but it was also very special. <laughs> very cold
1: dress ruined. But <laughs> other than that, they have like really cool dress preservation places now. And I think most of the tail of my dress or whatever it's called will be cleaned out hopefully by the preservation people. We'll see. Oh, so you are preserving the dress. I'm going to preserve my dress. So they don't, it's not like a massive box anymore. Like they can put it in much smaller, I don't know how, I don't know what they're going to do, but I am, I mean, it's not that expensive. And I thought it was going to be thousands of dollars. It's not expensive. And I ship it out somewhere and it comes back perfect. But I have no desire to force my future child to wear it, but I do think it would be special for them to like cut it up and sew it into whatever they want it to be. But yeah, I mean, I designed that dress. Like it's the only outfit outside of my Bengali outfits that I've ever designed for myself. So yeah, no, I'm keeping that thing.
0: Yeah. And I like the, it's kind of like a family heirloom. Yeah. Cause that dress was present in that moment, you know, regardless if things can feel emotions, whatever, but it was part of that experience. And so it's like the tangible representation of what you can bring forward, which I love. Yeah, and when I die, a little piece of my soul is going to be floating around in that box. So, yeah, for sure. And in my closet, apparently. <laughs> <did> my closet. <laughs> <laughs> a buka uh,
1: <laughs> Okay, so are, you, are we ready for these questions, Meg? Now that we've answered it, should we shift to the edit up? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. All right, Meg. Are you ready to add it up?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. First questions first. What advice would you give people who want to have a baby and are trying to tell their boss that they're pregnant? Ooh. All
0: right. Summoning Dr. G. When you're giving people news, always start with positive. How are you feeling? Right? So come in and be like, I have some exciting news to tell you and then lead into it and then also say, and don't worry, I have a plan, right? That's the way I would approach it. I don't know everyone's boss, but that's the way I would do it. I'm like, I'm really excited about this. If you are, this is what I'm going to do. This is when I'm going to leave. Have I missed anything? It's more of a directive than an ask. You're not asking anyone to get pregnant or to take maternity leave. It's your right. So approach it like that. That's how I would do it. How about you? I love
1: that we still talk about going in excited. I think you should go in excited with any decision that you make at your job generally. But yeah, I mean, if I'm pregnant, I'm going to have like tears coming out of my eyes And I'm going to be so excited that everybody around me better be excited, too, (laughs) because that that is one of those rare achievements that I don't know that I'll ever actually have. So my expectation is that everyone would be extremely excited in anticipation of me actually being able to have a child. Mm. So my mentality, I think, is much more aggressive than the average human there. But I think that's part of it. And then, I mean, we've talked about this before, but also going in with a game plan and like knowing exactly how you're going to transition out, how you're going to transition back in. And also, this is something we didn't touch on earlier, but that I do think is important. And this is more for the private piece of it. So like when you're telling your partner, having that plan of the cost of having a baby versus the cost of having a child. So how you're going to pay for both. Nick and I have a future baby fund that we are both contributing to and saving for. And I'm sure it still will not be enough, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to at least try To achieve some form of savings in anticipation of when we do have, you know, all 15 children that he'd like to have. So, the army of children.
0: Yeah. His whole comment is at some point they just start raising each other. So, (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. Cheaper by the dozen, you know, (laughs) if that movie taught us anything.
1: Uh, I really can't imagine how destructive that would be to my physical body
0: if I actually turned that many out. So, it's a dream, if but anyone's good. go. Okay. Okay. It was like, oh, you screwed up the rhyme. Like what's the childhood rhyme? It's like first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage. Was that what it was? Right. Something like Is that. that. I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the little lady that lived in a shoe. <laughs> no. Okay. Here. I'm just going to like throw out a random question. Kay. Okay. How about, oh, something you're going through. So I'm curious on your advice. What advice would you give someone that was recently married and needed to update their will? You know, I like to approach this in the same way
1: that a DT told us to approach things when we talked about partners and finances. So Nick and I have gotten into a pretty good cadence about talking about budgeting and co-investing and doing a lot of things together And as it pertains to both a will, which I had to do very uncomfortably at the beginning of the pandemic in front of my then boyfriend, I would probably ask a bunch of questions. And I mean, he should be asking them too, right? We should be asking the questions together to understand each other's assets and financial situation and then coming up with a plan together of... What happens if you pass away first? What happens if I pass away first? What happens if we have children and one of us pass? You know, going down that entire path, but like probably starting on the front end of like pulling out potential traumas in our past that might affect the way that we approach our will and pulling out different pieces of history and memories that might contribute to how we decide on how we form our trust in our wills. And I mean, by the way, my family being a family of immigrants, like it's not like I came from much of anything. So I am extremely weird and peculiar about my assets. And I'm sure that I've made Nick uncomfortable multiple times. But we have come up with a plan that we both agreed to because his background was entirely different as well. Right. So it's a very touchy subject. And it's one that you have to approach
0: gingerly, in my opinion. What about you? I love bringing that back up, like the ask Zeta questions we did, because it it starts with a conversation. And again, I am constantly and consistently trying to unravel and open that box with my partner. It's a very different story, as I continuously get more financially literate. But I think it starts with you know just the openness, the communication. What are we going to do having those hard conversations pouring yourself a glass of wine, perhaps and trying to unpack and unravel some of the awkwardness and the intimidation that comes with death and dying in marriage and, you know, all the life stages. But I think it just starts there. And I think everyone's journey is different. And just I think the first step forward is let's have the conversation. I'm married to you now. You are my life partner. This is forever for better or for worse, whatever we said when we were up there on the mountain. But, you know, I think it starts there first. I think. I agree with that.
1: To no, I think I think that's I think that's it, right? That's you at least have to start the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the most important part, frankly. Yeah. Question 3. What advice would you give someone that had to talk to their parents about updating their will? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that's awkward
1: yeah it's super awkward my uh, so I still remember when my dad emailed me his will and gave us the password if they pass away mm. I don't know how I'm going to handle that I have a general idea of what's inside of my father's will just because I I know his assets since I help manage them but I don't want to have that conversation with my parents. Yeah. That's a tough one for me. I am super cognizant of my parents' mortality, specifically because I have watched them both go in and out of health problems. I have watched them. I don't know. My parents are very fragile to me, and it makes me sad just thinking about that. So, like, I mean, I'm I'm literally moving to California. I'll say mostly because of my nephew, but... Partially because my parents are fragile and old and I haven't spent enough time with them and I'm deeply regretting the fact that I spent the last ungodly number of years away from them. Like I I miss my parents all the time so I can't, I don't really want to think about their mortality and that's not something that I think I could easily breach with with my parents. It's one of those few subjects that I don't want to talk
0: about with them. Ditto. Although I'm starting to, press the issue a little bit just to know I'm not as close to my parents' assets. We don't talk about that stuff. That's just the way it is. But I have had a sit down. My dad doesn't listen to the says, with my dad <laughs> and been like, look, for example, people in our family were left holding the bag when people passed away. I do not want to be in that place. And I am happy to have a hard conversation about it. But I need you to be organized. I need you to be on top of it. And I need to not hate my siblings when this happens. Because I won't let money like rip apart the relationship that I have with my family. That's just like not going to happen. I'd rather be poor, in my opinion.
1: But your parents did such a good job raising you and your siblings. I don't ever see the set of you ever arguing over... The lake house, for example. I just don't see that occurring,
0: right? You never know, though. Like when you also have other factors involved, you have spouses involved. Who knows how they're going to react? People go crazy. I mean, we were just talking about succession, different types of money. That's fair. But people go wild when money is is in the picture and you just don't know how people are going to react. So my ask of my dad was just take that factor out of it and just have it be objective. This is what it is. It's going four ways. That's it. You know, like have fried chicken at my funeral. He has said that. (laughs) But you know what I mean? I'm like, just let's take the guesswork out of it. I don't need to know the details. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Pass me the bottle of wine. Let's be done with this conversation. So that's the way that I approached it. I was like, let's take the guesswork out and just have it be a celebration of your life. That's all I want. So that was how I approached it. Does your dad also want Lay's at his funeral? He seems like the type of guy that would appreciate the lays. Probably (laughs) like for him, it's going to, he's like, we have a party, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's what he wants. I know that. Oh God. All right. One more question. Post pandemic world. I finally get engaged. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whenever that's going to happen. And what advice would you give me about getting married? like from a financial perspective? So I think
1: the easiest decision that we make in our lives is the married part, right? Like, it was a given for me that I was going to get married to Nick. It wasn't difficult. I think the difficult part is figuring out the rest of it. His family's here in Colorado. My family's in California. What does that look like? What does it look like if Nick's mom becomes physically impaired and cannot take care of herself. What does it look like if we want to have kids? Southern California is exorbitantly expensive and we both work for startups, right? There are so many other things that matter more than the marriage, right? Because you've already chosen your partner. You've already chosen who you want to be with for the rest of your life. The actual marriage in itself isn't hard. It's planning out everything else that really matters that I think is super important to have. So similar to having a product roadmap, you probably want to have a life roadmap put together, right? And agree on all of those things because those are all foundational things. Like Nick and I both agree, we can and will have a night nurse. We can and will have someone helping us take care of our child in their early years. We can and will have... Parents around to help us when we need help. Like, there are just little things that we had to agree on that are big deals to both of us prior to making the decision to do everything else. Like, for example, the one thing that Nick and I still kind of disagree on is how many kids we're going to have. But that's also a foundational thing, right? At some point, we need to come to terms with an exact number and i know that i've like talked nick down to i think like 6 or 8 <laughs> so <laughs> that that's probably the one big thing that we disagree on that we're that's still something we're pulling apart but i mean everything else is foundational so i guess the best piece of advice i can give someone that is getting married is make sure that you agree on everything outside of that before you decide to pull the trigger like Nick and I know that we're going to live in California for some undisclosed period of time. Nick and I know that we may come back to Colorado if we need to to take care of his family. Like there are several things that we have already agreed upon that are part of our future and I think that piece is the foundational piece to success is knowing that like you and your partner are on the same page.
0: I hear you. And I think pulling from your earlier sentiment that we talked about, it's not all just about the wedding. Like don't blow it on like I remember, like, sitting at a lot of the weddings I've been in and whatever, not not recently, but when I was younger. And I'm like, these people put all the time and energy into this party. I wonder if they even have talked about what's next. You know what I mean? It felt like in our early 20s, like, everyone was, like, going to be the big party, going to be amazing. I'm getting married, like, all this stuff. And then, like, when rubber hits the road, you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. The party is just a, a conduit to the rest of your life.
1: Right. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. I think it varies from couple to couple, but like Nick and I are in different places financially. You know, I had been working in an extremely lucrative market for a very long period of time. So there are things that I had to relearn or like, you know, come to terms with with Nick because. The man is my coupon queen. Like he has taught me, you know, how to refocus on budgeting in certain arenas that I wasn't budgeting on previously. And I've also taught him how to be more financially savvy. So there are things that you lean on for each other, but there's also a lot of planning involved on the front end of being in a relationship. And it's not just the foundational stuff of like wanting to have kids, it's also all of the financial aspects. It's also, you know, how are we going to look at our financial picture together going forward? Do we need to have a will together? What does our future look like in terms of savings? Are we going to save together? Are we going to invest together? Are we going to, you know, all of those tiny little steps are actually massive steps that you take potentially together holding hands. And it's for me it's really scary because my ex did not want to do any of that stuff with me. So this has been a journey in and of itself and it's something that I signed on to by partnering with Nick because it was something that was really important to him
0: Mm -hmm. I love that I'm just going to say I'm really happy for you on air because I am and I'm proud of you in all life stages although I do miss us kind of just like flailing about Seattle I won't lie to you (laughs) miss those moments sometimes I don't you know by the way
1: we've talked about it and we might eventually move back to Seattle so if you still end up there at some point in time you know Mm. we could still be neighbors potential
0: yeah we're gonna try Chicago out for a little bit see how it works if we hate it we might come back TBD
1: all right fine I can't talk Nick into the Midwest that's
0: the only thing so (laughs) I don't know maybe who knows all right, Lovey. This has been amazing. I love talking life stages with you as always. Yeah. Shall we call it a, a day? Let's wrap
1: it up. A morning? Let's wrap it up. I love wrap you.
0: I love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwana.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Fun.